Welcome to Healing the City Podcast. My name is Eric Seepin. In this podcast, I'll be discussing the gospel with my wife in a reoccurring podcast where we look at healing and the hot seat model and the village and why we do ministry the way we do. You might notice that there's a small hum for a while on this podcast, and that's because the city of Tucson decided to park a large truck in front of our studio and leave it running. And so that's the hum noise you hear. I hope you enjoy the podcast. I can hear myself breathe, but I don't see anything coming up on the screen. Okay. I'm not as loud as the tapping. Do I need to be closer? Do I need to kiss the mic? I can kiss it. You're so funny. <laughs> Welcome to the Healing the City podcast, Susan Seaton. Thank you. I think this is the first time you've ever been on with me. Yeah, I think so. You recorded something with Adrian that never went up. I know. It was sad. It was long and complicated, and I sought to sort through it. And we were leafing through books and tapping on things. Yes, and making noises. It was a mess. So... My name is Eric, and everybody knows who I am, except people who don't know who I am. So I'm the pastor of the village, and across from me is my beautiful wife. Hello. And theoretically, today is our day off, Mm -hmm. and so we went on a date already, kind of a little breakfast date. So lovely. Yes. We went to prep and pastry and ate the one thing that you can eat at prep and pastry. Delicious potatoes. And eggs Mm -hmm. and bacon. It's a lot of things. It is a lot. Three things. When you put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought I'd like to have you on in a reoccurring fashion because the whole healing the city one person at a time at its core has a lot to do with you and me. Mm -hmm. And it has a lot to do with um, why we do what we do here in this community is sort of what's at the core of us. Yeah. And I thought instead of trying to like tell some long story about it, we can just kind of get to the stories as we go over the next year or so. Mm-hmm. But since we've been talking about healing, one of the main ways that that happens in the smaller parts of our community, but it's infiltrated the mm-hmm. larger parts of our community, is how we understand the gospel. Yeah. Um, and in particular, a method that we talk about that sometimes gets called the hot seat and other times it gets called the table of decision but it's a process that we take people through and so I thought uh, first maybe we could talk about or you could talk about or we can just discuss the idea of of the gospel in its three parts right that we talk about the gospel being story and identity and kingdom yeah and that happened how long ago did that happen I have no idea. Yeah, I don't either. I know it was Ten in this... years, maybe? It was in this building because it all came about um, as I was vacuuming uh, the building one day mm. and listening to Timothy Keller talk about the gospel. And then I began to process this idea of the gospel. It's been really helpful. It has. So maybe we could talk a little bit of... First, the gospel is story. And we talk about the gospel story a little bit differently and why do you think that's important like we kind of expand it yeah um so i think when people hear the word gospel or think about what is it that we believe they think of story they think the story of jesus came died rose again that's the story right and uh 
if that's all you have, it, it makes it really hard to apply. There are some pieces that you can apply, like I, I can ask for forgiveness for my sins. I know that I'm reconciled to God. There's some important stuff in it. But it's a much larger story that also goes from creation to new creation. And it's uh, what we have biblically is a collection of stories that relate to that story. And then our story relates to all of those little stories and to the bigger story as well. And Jesus is interacting with us uh, in our communities, but also individually. And so there's a lot of story to unfold in it. Yeah. I love how you, when you start talking about these things, how, how articulate you are in the way of saying those things. Um, so it's bigger. That's that's the main point, is that it's so much bigger than just birth, death, resurrection, ascension, return. Like these, yeah. are, these are all really key parts of Jesus's narrative, but it's bigger in that it goes Genesis to Revelation, all yeah. connected to the cross and to Jesus. How then... Why is the story, like, other than salvation and, and maybe even a connectedness to forgiveness, like, why is it so important for us to dwell in the story, to think about the story in the context of our life? Why do you think that is? Well, I think it makes sense of things. Uh, it, it kind of helps us to stay connected to a narrative that matters instead of the little offshoots that we land on or even the idolatries that we pursue. I think it creates meaning. Yeah. So can you, so I don't know how it works. I mean, I don't want to process through the hot seat model just yet, but I think one of the things that's really fascinating to me as we talk to people in groups or I talk to them individually is to ask them the question, you know, what parts of Jesus's story resonate with you? Mm -hmm. Because I, I've never, didn't grow up thinking about that. Mm -hmm. you know, I grew up about learning about Jesus and learning facts and narratives and understanding the implications of those facts and narratives, but I didn't no one was asking me the question, well, what part resonates? Why does it resonate? How do you place yourself in that story? What does that mean to you? Yeah. Um, have you seen that like in your own life? How has that been? I mean, can you, can you talk about that at all? Like, as you think about Jesus's story hmm. and how it resonates in your life. That's interesting. Well, let me talk. A I don't know if I can think about that at this moment. At the early in the morning. <laughs> well, let me think about one of the stories that resonates hugely with people in my experience is uh, the woman caught in adultery. Uh -huh. Like that there's this, there's some dynamics there that if you can put yourself in that story to be her to in your own shame, having Jesus say, where's your accuser is a real powerful moment. Yeah. Um, and him just standing up for her. Yeah. I think uh, moments where, where Peter, you, you find, in, it's not even in Jesus' story, it's just Jesus interacting with people. In Peter's story, mm -hmm. you find him moving between doubt and courage, fear and, you know, anger. Like he has all of his emotions on display. And we laugh at him and chuckle at him. And sometimes he becomes like this person out there that we're like, oh, yeah, we're kind of like him. But we mostly want to make fun of him. Mm -hmm. When in reality, in some of our deeper problems, we are him. We're impulsive. And it's interesting to see how Jesus deals with an impulsive person. Yeah. Um, and so when someone's caught in their own impulsivity, like having to be able to hear Jesus's words to them 
in the shame of their impulsivity is a, is a big deal, I think. Yeah. So what you're talking about is not just where do you find yourself in Jesus' story, right? but in the stories of the people who interacted with yeah, Jesus. Yeah, and I think that's and probably a better way of saying it. How do you find yourself around Jesus' story? Yeah, and I think that's really instructive because you catch glimpses of, oh, this is how Jesus might interact with me, might be interacting with me. This is how I might grapple with my relationship with Jesus. And you see the grace and the freedom and the humor that's available. Yeah. So do you, I mean, is there, like, so the story is an important part. Have you ever seen in your groups that be transformative at all? Like, as people talk about the story? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, a lot of times at the end of the table of decision, when we really start untangling story, uh, we really try to listen to the Holy Spirit and uh, even imaginatively ponder Scripture in a way where we say, you know, what story uh, resonates with this, resembles it uh, biblically. And sometimes it's something during the life of Jesus. Sometimes it's something in the Old Testament. Yeah. Uh, like Hagar, who God saw, right, um, the God right. who sees. Um, yeah, so there's, I think that kind of gives you something to hang on to that's really um, tangible and visual even um, and something to explore as you walk away. Right. I, I really like, I like that because I think you do it well in your groups and my group maybe takes some of the groups I've been in led by me and others tend to be in a single story when it comes to that and something you guys really have I've heard from you secondhand that like a lot of scripture comes at it and a lot of narrative from yeah. the people who've been listening and watching the process and participating in it with somebody as they wrestle with something. Yeah, which is the fun of doing this in a group. Right. You know, it's possible to use this model on yourself right. and really get something out of it, um, have a sense of direction from it. It's possible to do it with one other person and good stuff happens. But if you get a whole group, then you have a collective memory and um, experience of scripture to speak yeah. from yeah. and a collective listening to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So we talk about story, but the second part of the gospel at the village is a lot of like, so the result of embracing the story. And, and I don't want to mm -hmm. jump over the story in the sense that I do find that a lot of times helping people really sit at the base of the cross mm -hmm. is a powerful thing to like be there to listen to the words of Jesus, to understand your own brokenness yeah. and the need for forgiveness. But when you grab hold of that and step into the kingdom, there is this beautiful thing is that all of these identities are proclaimed over you yeah. as to who you are. And I think sometimes, a lot of times, the identity piece people misunderstand in our culture because it becomes very much like self-talk. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, maybe you can, do you have thoughts on how you make that more tangible and rich for people to hold on to you know, not so it's just a, well, I'm a, I'm a child of God. And so I need, you know, like kind of trying to use those identities to pull yourself up by your bootstraps in some sense, instead of living in them yeah. being proclaimed over you. So going back from what you were just saying, I think there's one more piece on the story. Yeah, go for it. Uh, is that we do start at the baseline gospel story. Right. 
Uh, and that's the thing that addresses the lies that we believe and the place that we're standing, the sins that we've been committing, is Jesus died for me and uh, I'm forgiven. And so I feel like we do continue to revisit that story. Yes. And then we also look for the expansion on it and the intricacies around it. Right. Um, so I don't want to leave that piece no. off either no. uh, because that's really where we're jumping in. That's where we right. start off is this is the core of the gospel and we need to embrace it in all of its ways. And then it opens up all these possibilities for us. So, and one of the possibilities is identity. And the identity... Uh, Wow, there's a lot to say about identity. We, we could talk about it for weeks. Well, we have weeks. So Okay, great. So I, I think the initial thing that I look for in identity is uh, we are safe and we are significant. And so the two initial pieces of identity in a hot seat experience, I think, are I'm the child of God. And so I am safe right. forever. You know, it, no matter what happens, it's, I, I'm okay in God's eyes. He's fully accepted me. And that addresses a lot of concerns and issues in our lives, right? Right. And then um, I'm significant because First uh, Peter 2, our identity is priests. And God has called us to a priesthood where we have impact on other people and on God and on the universe at large. And so uh, I think those are two really important starting points, although other pieces of the identity also come out. So even when we're not priesting well, we're still safe. You know, we don't have to get it right to be okay with God. So being God's child is really important, but it is really important that we're priests. And the things that we come up against in our daily lives are issues that we need to address as priests. You know, when we're in difficult relationships with other people, when we're having arguments with somebody, when somebody um, offends us in some way, one of the things that we need to consider is, I'm I'm a priest to this person, and what does it look like to live out that angle of relationship? And then I think from there we do, I think in my group, in my, the groups that I've led, we tend to also kind of look at what piece of this person's identity is being attacked by the lies that they believe in this specific area of their lives. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's really good. I haven't really thought about that as much. And what is the truth about their identity in that facet? Yeah. But I'm pretty detail-oriented, so. Yeah. No, no, I think I, I, I like that. Probably why that happens. Um, and, and I think we'll probably try to spend maybe three or four of these podcasts talking about the hot seat model. And so we're not going to cover all of it um, because identity deals with a lot of times what we're, where we find our relief, right? Because the question mm-hmm. becomes, and this is kind of what you're saying, but the question becomes, how do I as a priest in the kingdom of God, like, what does that mean in the context of whatever experience I just had? Like, what would it look like to act differently what would it look like if I was fully conscious of my identity and acting in it? Yeah. And I like the idea that you were, maybe I don't stress this enough in the teaching part of this, but your identity is where you're operating out of. And if you're operating out of an identity that is built around relief, 
then you are in a place where you are scrambling to try to feel safe and secure. Yeah. And you're in, yeah. a, in a place of, of, of dis, uh, what, what would be the word? Um, you kind of feel when you're trying to, when you're trying to get your feet. Um, disorientation. Yeah, yeah, disorientation. So Dysphoria. Dysphoria, disorientation. Yeah, dysphoria to, to kind of go back to our, our trauma therapy conversations where all your words are all too big for anybody to understand. Dysentery. Uh, dysentery. No, I don't think there's any <laughs> dysentery and all that. But <laughs> Hopefully yes. not. Yes, well, you might have dysentery, but it has something to do with your, <laughs> has something to do with your relief modes. But yeah, so like what you're saying, and I like that, is that part of being a priest is being anchored in your identity. Yeah. I mean, in, in your safety and your security in Christ. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's important. That's big. Um. So those are, but that, and that's a result of embracing Jesus's story, like being willing to accept him as your Lord, to his forgiveness for your sins, to identify with the cross and with the resurrection. Um, these are results of that. Yeah. So the third part of, of the gospel that we talk about the village is the kingdom of God. Some people call it shorthand the loving action. So what, what you might do is a result. Yeah. But I think it's really more complex because... There are, because it's life in the kingdom. It's life in the kingdom, mm-hmm. and there are two kingdoms mm-hmm. at play. And so, when you move into Jesus's story and become a follower of Jesus and a disciple of Jesus, you enter a new kingdom. Um, and 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 there are two kingdoms at war. Like you know, Paul is pretty clear that our, our battle is not with flesh and blood, but, but with prince and principality. That there's a an evil and a good play, at play. Um, yeah. and you are now aligning yourself with Jesus, who is the light of the world. And so when it comes to the kingdom, there are all these things, especially within his parables and then all through Paul and John's writings and Peter's writings about what it means to live that out. Um, and, uh, so that becomes the question of what does it look like to be a priest? What does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? How do you practice that in your particular yeah. situation and the things that you're wrestling with? Um, you have done a lot of studying and thinking through the kingdom of God because it's a hard thing to articulate. There are yeah. bits and pieces, but we are, as maybe N.T. Wright says, kind of in this, um, we're no longer, there's not a script there's only boundaries that have been told to us. And now we're sort of in the, what do you call that in, in acting when you're... Uh, yeah, we're imp- improving. Imp- it's an improvisation. We're in the fifth act or whatever he calls it. So what? How do you th- how do you think about the kingdom of God? How do you talk about it to people? Well, I think that what happens when we're living out of our true identity is the kingdom of God emerges. And I think wherever the gospel lands, you see at the beginning of Colossians, this idea that the gospel is moving forth forcefully. And it's 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 almost as though it's blooming. You know, wherever it lands and people grab hold of it and really live into it, the kingdom of God emerges and you see it. Right. And I think, um, I think that a lot of the New Testament is spent trying to to give people a picture of that. You know, you you get this like lots of descriptions of you once were in the darkness but now you're in the light. So live as people of the light and then there's this huge description of it because it's such a hard thing to wrap words around. Right. You know, you're going to be kind now. You're going to 
think of yourself as less and think of others as more. You're going to, um, you know, not do these things. You're not going to lie. You're not going to be hateful and angry. So there's there's a lot of time spent no. just kind of describing it. And so we start looking for that, you know. So this is the thing you've been doing. That's the old. What would the new be? Right. What could this look like? Right. And I think what's cool about the gospel, I like that blooming idea because when you see Paul's narrative, mm-hmm. he has a blooming. Like the gospel, Jesus yeah. encounters him. And there's this huge transformation. And then he's telling about it as he's talking about all the things that he talks about. Um, And you can go through many, many characters in the New Testament. But that's our part, too. Like, you have a blooming. The gospel has hit you. And as much as the question in our particular thing, the hot seat model, becomes what does it look like to act in repentance? Uh, Because part of the kingdom of God is acting in repentance. So if you and I had a fight and I'm processing through that argument with people and they're beginning to ask me, how do I re-enter now Mm -hmm. holding tightly to the gospel to talk to you about what happened in the past or encounter you differently the next time, you know, maybe you say something hard to me or I'm experiencing adversity in our relationship because now I'm holding the gospel. Um, and, and the gospel is holding you. And the gospel is holding. That's probably a better way of saying it. The gospel is holding me and because I'm going into that. You're going into it now aware that you're okay in Christ and that this other person doesn't have to define who you are. What they think of you doesn't actually necessarily reflect who you are because you are totally secure in Christ right? and loved by God and you're okay. Yeah. And you have something rich to offer. And you have an opportunity to offer it fully, even if it's rejected. And that's still okay. It's all contained in Christ. So I think that makes a huge difference right. in the way that we interact with people. Right. Well, and one of the things we don't talk a lot about, but I think it's a key part to the kingdom space, is that when you're given the identity, and we heard this in Rod's sermon on, on Sunday, Luke talks about it at the end, like you're clothed with the Holy Spirit. That mm-hmm. you're given God's spirit. Yeah. And really living out life in the kingdom and a life of repentance and being encapsulated in the gospel is leaning into the Holy Spirit. It's being willing to be aware of God's spirit with you, I mm-hmm. think. And 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 mm-hmm. I think a lot of the time when we are living not in the, in the story of the gospel and in the identity, we tend to be living in the enemy's story. Yeah. And so we're not, we don't have a consciousness of God's spirit moving us. We're not listening for that. We're not looking for that. So I think part of this whole model that we're going to be talking about more that we think is a really good way of helping people heal the city one person at a time is like, is a model that helps us become more in tune with the spirit of God. Well, I think one of the really cool things about that is that we are not alone and we often think that we are. So when we walk into a difficult conversation or situation, we think I have to figure out how to deal with this. Yeah. Instead of thinking I'm not alone and ultimately this isn't my responsibility. This is something God is going to have to shake out. And so I'm going to walk in listening and see what happens and something really different than what usually happens or has happened in the past could happen. Like we could have miracles here 
we could have mysteries unfold. We could see what God is doing instead of just responding to my fears or um, stepping into this in the same old way where I think I'm by myself. Yeah. Well, because Healing City podcasts are short. Right. What I want to say, um, <laughs> thank you, because one of the things I, I do a lot of podcasting now. As part yeah, of, you do. Yeah, and I love it. You know, it's funny. I, I wanted to be a radio host, and now I get to be. And it's one of my favorite parts of my job. It's exciting. Um, but I wanted to do it with you. And, you know, it's really cool to... I, I get a little distracted, to be honest. You look really <laughs> cute with headphones. <laughs> so thank you for doing this with me, because I know you don't like talking into mics. Yeah, it's um, all right. But I feel like maybe halfway through you got comfortable and excited. So Yeah, I also have a footnote Yes. To add. Okay, add a footnote. Uh, that the safety and significance comes out of a Larry Crab. Sure. Somewhere. I yeah, don't know if it's, it's uh, comes encouragement. Out of the mar- no, it comes out of the marriage builder. Okay. He changes these around. Love and impact, he kind of moves to from safety and si- significance. Yeah, but I think it's uh, like that's a place where we yeah. have anchored in. Yes. Uh, and, you know, discovered some of these things that. Right wrap up large concepts right well and you and i our giftedness and we'll talk more about this is taking other people's things and really bringing them down to the road and making making it making the uh ordinary man like us understand and be able to use the things instead of just look at them and go i don't know what that that means (laughs) right anyway thank you for doing this with me this has been healing the city uh with eric and sue You've been listening to Healing the City podcast with Eric Steepen. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.